This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today we're visiting with Jacqueline Keller from the West Custer County Library Local History Center. She's been in the Valley for 15 years observing the history and now she's doing it as a job. Jacqueline, welcome to the program. Thank you, Gary. So what is the WCC Library's Local History Center? It is a lot of archives, newspapers, oral history that have been digitized from cassettes and we just have files and files upon files of area history. We also hold the archives for schoolhouse, the museum, uh, things that, other things that you might find around town. Okay, so why was it started and what's the main hope for its use? I believe that it's just a wonderful thing to uh, continue to have these items available to the public to keep the history alive and show what it was like when the first people came to the valley and started their lives here. So when I think of the valley, there's a rich history. There's ranching, farming, mining, railroading. You've got the different towns, uh, many of which aren't here anymore. You've got uh, a number of schoolhouses. So that's a lot of information. What sort of records do you have? You mentioned it a little bit. You've, you've got digital records. You've got hard copy, etc. Right. So, you know, first the German colony was probably the most well-known. The pioneers that came out. Uh, there were also French and English. We have some oral history interviews that talk about that also. And so people came from Germany, France, I mean directly, uh, Canada also down, you know, the French came down from Canada and uh, settled here because of the rich ranch land, or I should say farmland for agriculture. I think that across the board, you could say that everybody grew lettuce, peas, and potatoes, <laughs> pretty much. It was a big staple in the valley. I understand up where we are, Silver Cliff Ranch, potatoes were, were grown up there. Back in the day. Uh-huh. <laughs> You've got an oral history that goes back to the mid-60s, as I recall. Yes, there was a, a grant uh, through the Historical Society. A lot of uh, people involved, uh, Irene Francis, Debbie Hood, oh, a couple other people I can't think, interviewed folks on cassette, and uh, we still interview people that are from the area still and talk about their families but those folks when they were interviewed in the 60s some of those people were elderly at that time and so they talked about their pioneer parents or grandparents and mm -hmm. how they came out to the valley and it's it's pretty fascinating i'll bet there's some uh, good stories there Are, do you have any favorite there, favorite story i do i just have well i have a lot of favorite stories but here's one that uh comes off the top of my head so pauline beardsley and this is available from the website i'll talk a little bit more about how to access some of this in, in a minute but um, i made a little some couple of five minute snippets from some favorites so pauline beardsley they were the first bankers here in town and she talked about how her mother rode her pony next to the stagecoach when they came out. But the really great story is there was a, a doctor, and they had a hotel. The Beardsleys had a hotel, and the doctor lived across the street. 
and uh, the hotel had a big stove in the parlor, but the rooms weren't heated, and they were known to be very cold and drafty. (laughs) And there was a salesman that was staying there. Well, the doctor had been out on rounds, and as Pauline told it, he had a goatee and a mustache that hung down, and he had just come back from rounds, and it was cold and snowy and icy out, and his goatee and his, his mustache and everything was just hanging with snow and icicles. And so before he went home, he came over to the hotel to warm up by the big parlor stove, and here he is all full of icicles, and the salesman was sitting there in the lobby and said, oh my God, what room are you staying in? <laughs> That's funny. And I'm guessing if, you, if one went through these uh, digital recordings, that there's a lot of interesting history there. Just amazing. Um, you know, they talked about they had to hide their children sometimes. They would take uh, their produce and trade with the Indians, you know, Native mm-hmm. Americans. And they said that, the, you know, they would hide their little blonde girls. <laughs> they would be very careful with that because otherwise the Indians would steal them. Uh, there were a lot of bad guys. It was the Wild West. And it is the Wild West. I know that right now we've got a couple of newspapers in town, but back in the 1880s, there were you had the Silvercliff Rustler and things like that. Do you have archives of those? Uh, well, those are available online from our website, uh, westcusterlibrary.org. You uh, scroll all the way down to the bottom to Historic Newspapers hmm. and click on that and click on Custer, where it calls for the county, and you will see those newspapers listed. The Rosita Index, the Silver Nugget, the Silvercliff Rustler. There were a lot, quite a few old newspapers. And of course, you know, there were over 20 schools and numerous towns all around the community and around the area. And yeah, and Silvercliff was uh, much larger at that, at that point in time. So there was a lot going on, I'm yes. sure. Yes. Uh, so thinking about your your archives and your files, how many visitors do you get, say, a month? Uh, and what sorts of questions do they ask? What types of information are they after? I'd say we get about between three and seven average uh, mm-hmm. per month uh, that uh, either come in to the library or email and want some information. I've just recently had an email from a woman who has written a book about this General Graham who Uh, hung out in Rosita. He had escaped from the prison in Canyon City, but prior to that, he was, in theory, he was a a general. I'm not sure about that. And uh, he was shot in Rosita. uh, That after he, I don't know what he did, but they (laughs) shot him. And this woman was trying to uh, verify where he was buried. Mm -hmm. And so she asked me to do some research about the Rosita Cemetery and this particular incident, which there are a number of snippets written about. Uh, I have in front of me a letter from January 29th, 1884. And this woman, Sarah Werner, wrote to her mother and father, uh, and it was mailed from Rosita, and then she talked about... um, these fellows, well, then there were some men that were lynched also. And so she talked about the shootings and the lynchings, and uh, her spelling is poor. She said, I expect you have heard what an awful time we have been having up in Rosita. One man shot dead, two men hung, and that's how the letter starts out. Well, this was a tough place back then. 
That's good to know. Uh, so the folks that uh, contact you, are they largely local or from elsewhere? Most, mostly, well, no, I, not really. Um, they, they come here from elsewhere. Oftentimes local folks just pop in. And mm-hmm. if they're local, they've maybe already been around and they know what they're doing. Uh, they'll go help themselves to the microfilm mm-hmm. uh, machine and, and look through that. Or if they go online and look for some information, then maybe they'll come to the library to follow up on that. Mm-hmm. But we do get visitors from out of town often on the weekend. Uh, they come here to look for their family histories. Uh, you know, they're related. We've got people from the Kennecott Ranch we're just in a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Griffin Ranch is always really popular. It's been subdivided. People move there. They want to know about the history of the, the land that they're sure. sitting on. Yeah, that makes sense. So if the library had unlimited resources in terms of time and money, what, what tasks are waiting out there to be done? Well, you know, last year we had this beautiful grant to digitize all of those cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. And we did get all of those done. And now I have 40 left to listen to. And so I listen to them and I make notes and edit, you know, get some of that bad background noise uh, out uh, from the, the hissing from the cassette tape mm-hmm. and then some blank spots or who knows, sometimes they taped over some other, you know, a, an old radio show. <laughs> <laughs> you get some surprises in the end. Clean them up a little bit. Um, and, and then we need to catalog them. Mm-hmm. So the catalog is still pretty messy because we digitized them, but we haven't changed everything in the catalog. There are a lot of duplicate records mm-hmm. that need to be cleaned up. And then um, the pleasure of turning my notes into a really pretty spreadsheet is ongoing. I'm sure there's always something to do. Uh, so suppose there's somebody out there uh, from one of these multi-generational valley families and they have records that they'd like to see preserved. Is your project in a position to accept those sorts of things? We love that, absolutely. Um, we have forms that a person would fill out, you know, giving us a gift and to hold it at the library mm-hmm. for others to have uh, forever. And then archive it, of course, and... Um, it would be nice also in the future uh, to digitize everything, to be able to scan and save, preserve everything digitally. Right. Now, suppose uh, someone out there listening uh, has a question they want to find out and they'd like to access these files. How do they go about that? Again, from the website, westcusterlibrary.org. I uh, scroll down one up from the, his- or from the newspapers, is uh, uh, past perfect and that is the software that holds our archives Mm -hmm. and so that is a search and they can see what kinds of information we have in the library history center Mm -hmm. and so they can do a keyword so i suggest just a simple keyword search if you get too specific just like with google uh, sometimes that's not so good so do a search and see if some things pop up and then they could either call, email, or come on into the library to locate those records. Right. As I said before, we also hold the records for the, the museum and the schoolhouse and the historical society in those archives, in, in the software, but those items uh, would be notated that they actually live at the museum or at the schoolhouse and mm-hmm. other places. So we just have certain things at the library. 
So there's a couple ways people can go about uh, getting started there. Yes. What about your personal interest in history? You're obviously interested in the local history. Does that go way back? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I was I was not a good student, and I flunked history. The dates always baffle me, but for some <laughs> reason here... Um, it's just so much fun to look into, like I said, you know, everybody likes a good shooting and a lynching, right? <laughs> That's right. It gets exciting then. So. No, it, it's also, it was wonderful to hear about them loading up their wagons with potatoes and taking them on down to Walsenburg to trade, or they traded, you know, with the locals. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the people talked about uh, so-and-so went for a hike up, up, up where the Pines is now. Uh, some folks were living up that way and um, attacked by a bear or some kind of other wildlife, uh, stories like that. Uh, I believe it was Zara Rice who talked about how much she loved horses and horseback riding. And she was one of the first women, or her mother definitely taught her to ride. And uh, so they talk about riding their horses, uh, skating on Grape Creek, different kinds of things they did mm-hmm. for fun, riding some kids. Mostly they walked to school, but every once in a while they got to ride their donkey or something to school. Because, <laughs> of course, then it's there all day. Uh, walking through a lot of snow, they would put s- sticks in the ground so that they could find their way back. Mm-hmm. Things like that. If uh, Recently the pilgrimage uh, happened, which is the second annual were you involved with that? Because it was its focus was history. Yes, and so that was a lot of fun because bringing all of this to the forefront to show people what wonderful items that we have in our history center, and that is why I made the five-minute snippets out of a couple of oral history interviews so that people could just pop in and listen to just a short segment to pique their interest or you know see what this is all about, what these oral history interviews that we have because they're mostly they're all about an hour long. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I'm transferring my notes and timestamps over to a spreadsheet so that people can, and then we'll have that accessible also. We do have 30 oral history interviews available, and the notes and timestamps are also available through Past Perfect. And so um, people can hop on there, and you could skip, you know, if you're looking at the notes and you wanted to skip through mm-hmm. and. Uh, my goal is to have all of the interviews accessible that way, and people can look through the notes and just see what's interesting to them. My next project, you opened up that can of worms, um, is to make videos on specific topics and just pull lots of different interviews and put them together and with pictures of uh, different parts of the area, you know, like just have one video on mining and then have still pictures Mm -hmm. and the oral history to go along with that and just uh, to give a lot of information all in one spot. So I like to do little five-minute things and stick that all together to give people a lot of information in a short period of time. Well, good. Well, thanks for helping keep uh, local history alive uh, as the years pass those people uh, pass on or move out of the area, and that history can be lost. So it's really nice to do that. Uh, we're running out of time, but thanks for uh, visiting with us today. Oh, thanks so much for letting me come in and talk to you. We've been visiting with Jacqueline Keller, who's part of the West Custer County local... Uh, 
who's part of the Westchester County Library's Local History Center. My name's Gary, and this is Valley View. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 